Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue through meaningful assessments. Visit us at cltexam.com slash get started. Welcome back to the Anchor Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. Folks, we are recording this from stunningly beautiful uh, South Florida. We are on campus here at Palm Beach Atlantic University for uh, CLT's uh, Florida Classical uh, Education Summit. And we are here uh, with the director of the honors program uh, at Palm Beach Atlantic University, Dr. Tom St. Antoine, an amazing French name, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Antoine, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I'm so, so excited to host you guys here uh, in South Florida. I hope you enjoy the sunshine and the hospitality. We, we sort of pride ourselves on yeah. welcoming guests here. I mean, it, it's kind of wild the first time I, I've been four or five times now, but the first time you show up, you're like, Colin should not be here. Like, <laughs> this is silly. This, right. I mean, you're right on the intercoastal. The beach is like, what, half a mile or a mile? Yeah. It, it's amazing. And you actually went here as an undergrad as well. Is that right? I did. Okay. I did. And I'm sort of a local. So I semi grew up in the area and okay. didn't go far from home when I came here as a college student. Okay. Okay. But tell us a little bit about even before PBA. Typically, we'll start off the anchor pod talking about early education, were you homeschooled, Christian school, public school? What was that like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, originally from Wisconsin, okay. but some of my earliest sort of memories of education are when we, we came here, my dad was a project manager for an architectural firm. Okay. And that was 40 years ago, we came here temporarily. We got to the end of the project and called the home office and said, I, I ain't coming back to Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. So I still remember, you know, when we first came, one of the choices or, you know, where are we going to live? Where are we going to put the kids in school? And my parents found a, uh, 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 a elementary school that was that open concept. I don't know mm -hmm. if anyone remembers that, but it was sort of this progressive idea in, in education in the 70s where it's just a big open room and multiple classes would meet in the same room. I mean, and it was yeah. meant to be collaborative or whatever. So. That was sort of my first unusual educational experience. Um, did but then you know in the seventies, gifted education was also okay. uh, popular. So that was kind of my first taste of what what I do now, working with honors students. Um, went to public high school. Uh, came to PBA as a member of the first class to go through the honors program. Really chose PBA. I was I was a baseball player. Okay. And, uh, my plan was to play somewhere at the next level. And um, so of all the places I could have played, I felt like PBA gave me the best educational opportunity. And I was sort of sold on the honors program. So I, I came to PBA, uh, started honors. And I remember sitting in those first classes, they handed out the syllabi. And I was probably here for all the wrong reasons. I was here to play ball. I was here, you know, to have fun. And I still remember seeing those syllabi thinking to myself, this is pretty cool because Remember, it was the 80s. Uh, I thought this is good because I'll be able to beat my friends at Trivial Pursuit. All the irrelevant yeah. things, all the stuff I'm going to yeah, learn. Yeah. You're just going to clean house. I'm going to clean house. Those guys aren't going to have a chance against me. Right? I, I didn't know, right? That, that's one of the themes of our honors program now is unforeseen good. Okay. Right? And it, this was in the early days. So you went through the honors program. I did. Starting, you know, graduating in 93. Um, okay. But then it was kind of a new program at that time. Correct. So, it, you know, it was fresh out of the box. They're mm -hmm. still sort of deciding what honors ought to be. 
Um, our our origin story is interesting. So it's it's the Frederick M. Supper Honors Program. And Mr. Supper had built a business consulting firm, international business. He'd been all over. They did time and motion studies for like manufacturing. So he's been in businesses all over the planet consulting. And he came to our then president with sort of this vision. He had this idea that business schools are actually doing a great job preparing graduates for the business world as far as training goes. Right? They're excellently trained for business. Okay. He didn't quite articulate it entirely, but he sensed there was something missing from their education in mm-hmm. terms of character formation, values, what we might call soft skills sure. today. He just sensed that their training was good, but their education was poor. They were not literate, well-read people. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he, he had this vision, you know, could we create a business program that can fix that? Mm-hmm. And our president said, well, you came to the right place as a Christian liberal arts university. That's what we do well. Yeah. Um, but what you're sensing in business is certainly true, but it's also true in healthcare, mm-hmm. in education, in the arts. And so honors here was originally conceived as sort of a whole education for business graduates, but from those earliest days, it was for for everybody, regardless of major. Interesting. Well, I can very much relate. I I really believe this. And I think think one of the the reasons CLT has been successful, we hire from places, you know, like PBA entirely. And I think especially in a digital moment where nobody's looking over your, your back in a cubicle. To have ethically grounded, virtuous, you know, it makes all the difference for companies right now. You know, yeah. uh, fascinating. Okay, so then tell us a little bit. We we share. I'm in your office now. You've got <laughs> LSU stuff on the walls. Uh, we shared some time at LSU. I graduated in 2004 from undergrad. You picked LSU there for graduate school. Tell us about your focus there and your time at LSU. I did. I did. So I showed when I graduated from PBA. I actually worked for a year in our president's office as an intern. Okay. And the provost at that time was a rhetorician from LSU. And uh, I just sort of sensed his love for that place. And I knew I wanted to go back to graduate school. So I'd applied to a couple different places, but I ended up picking LSU sort of for all the wrong reasons. You're supposed to pick it for football, for jambalaya. Yeah. And instead I picked it because it's sort of the oldest rhetoric tradition uh, or oldest rhetoric program in the South. The faculty who were there were, you know, very humane. Uh, you know, I picked it for all the, all the graduate school reasons okay. and then discovered football while I was there. Accidentally. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I was, we were talking earlier, uh, Richard Weaver is a LSU rhetorician, his dissertation, Sits on the same shelf as mine, just a just a few letters down. And what was the focus of your dissertation? So I wrote about um, actually about rhetorical justifications of higher education in 20th century speeches. So I looked at like okay. uh, Robert Maynard Hutchins was one of the main folks I wrote about and studied. Uh, you know how he talks about higher learning, the liberal arts, why we go to college, what is the purpose of an education, yeah. and a variety of in particular, in the 1930s, 20s, 30s, 40s, there were some university presidents mm-hmm. who, were, who were really big, high-profile celebrity types like okay. Hutchins, who yeah. had a, a, a public intellectual sort of voice. And their speeches are really interesting about why why college. Okay, so, so I've actually I've got this question already written down for tomorrow's panel. So we're doing a panel tomorrow, right. <laughs> um, 4 o'clock, and on, on higher ed, trends in higher ed. 
I didn't realize your dissertation was on this particular question. I'm interested, though, especially as you think about your, your study, your dissertation, um, and kind of the future. I mean, Palm Beach Atlantic is one of a handful of smaller Christian liberal arts colleges that's actually, it's bucking the national trend. Uh, uh, there's a 13%, there's been a 13% decline already in young people going to four-year brick-and-mortar liberal arts colleges. PBA is bucking that trend with setting enrollment, re enrollment records. But I'm wondering if you could just speak generally in terms of what you see. You know, I've heard the Christossen from Harvard predicting a 50% closure of liberal arts colleges over a period of 10 years. Um, well, what do you predict? And then why, why is PBA bucking that trend? Yes, well, I, I'm, professors should never get in the prediction business. Um, so, I, you know, it's some of those trends are alarming and concerning. Um, but I think that I'm, I know enough marketing to know supply and demand, right? And there's always going to be demand for classical learning, the liberal arts, because it, it has value. You know, at the end of the day, people recognize that uh, uh, habits of mind, character formation, the kinds of things we get in the liberal arts are are useful, but more importantly than that, they're they're deeply satisfying. They allow mm -hmm. us to live well. Totally well said. So yeah, so um, supply and demand tells me there's always going to be some demand, mm -hmm. and even with those alarming trends, uh, you know, the the downside is there are fewer and fewer, but the upside is there are fewer and fewer. Right, mm -hmm. so. Demand is always going to exist, but there's, sure. you know, there's certain schools now that offer a product in the marketplace that very few places offer. And so I think that's why PBA is succeeding. It's certainly in a, in a special location. It's a, a wonderful place to spend four years. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly than that, it's just a, a, a great place to learn. And I think we offer something that you just can't find in a lot of other places. And if you do find it, it may not be in a vibrant, economically growing place like South yeah. Florida. So talk to me if you would about, I mean, you're focused on, you're the director of the honors program, uh, but, but tell us a little bit about kind of the overall core curriculum. Uh, a lot of the CLT partner colleges that are popular with our student base, um, Grove City, Hillsdale, Ave Maria, and I'm increasingly hearing Palm Beach Atlantic in this mix as well. They have a strong core. What is that like, the classes that every student takes here? So our honors program is an alternative to the core. Okay. So okay. it kind of happens on two levels. PBA offers what they call their faith, roots, and reason core. Okay. And um, then, which has a lot of the same principles of liberal learning, character formation, and so on. And then the honors program offers sort of a, a pretty radically different enhanced version of that. Okay. Smaller classes, seminar classes, a uh, matter of emphasis, you know, for us, gen ed is at the heart of, of your education. It's not just a hurdle that you clear on your way to your major and so on. So your your question is about um, those sort of courses that are at the heart of what we do. Yeah. In the honors program, we're, unlike a lot of great books programs, we're organized chronologically. Okay. So our... Um, there's a six course. Were you part of that decision? I was. Okay. okay. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, we still have a, a napkin from a restaurant in Chicago. <laughs> where we, you still have the napkin? I still have the napkin. It's, yeah. it's going in the Honors Hall of Fame someday. Okay. But we sat in a restaurant at a, at a honors conference in Chicago 
and jotted down some ideas for what, you know, should it be five courses? Should it be seven? Mm. What should they be called? And we still have the napkin. And we end up with a six course chronological sequence. Okay. Starting with the Greeks and the Romans and uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament and working its way up to the present day. Each class begins with the words, the world of, which connects mm-hmm. what we're doing to the idea of worldview formation. Okay. So we start with you know, the world of Paulus and Covenant, which is Greek and Old Testament sort of worldview. And then it develops. The next class is the world of Caesar and Christ. And then the world of Christendom and Islam is our medieval semester. The world of humanism and mm-hmm. reform is our Renaissance Reformation. The world of reason and revolt is our um, Enlightenment and Industrial Scientific Revolution class. And then the world of despair and hope is our modernity, post-modernity. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, right before uh, recording this podcast with you, I was in a meeting with uh, the CLT College Counseling Network. Uh, great group of college counselors from you know, great classical charter schools, Catholic schools, classical Christian schools. And we, the, the conversation we were having today, it went in the direction of, of kind of trying to solve this riddle of how has it been when so many Christian college, colleges, just colleges in the U.S., were founded in the Ivies, you know, as as you know, with distinctly Christian identity, that finding the school that is both passionately Christian and academically excellent, how did that list get so short? I, I'm optimistic that it's getting longer again, uh, but it seems like it got very short for some time. And I, I'm I'm glad PBA is on that. But historically, what happened? <laughs> well, Luckily, there's there are actually some really good books on that. So, you know, Mark Knowles, Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. Um, George Marsden has a book on sort of the decline of or the separation of Christianity and academic excellence uh, historically. Marsden's a historian, so he writes it from a historical perspective. Um, yeah, it's it's I mean, it's a complicated issue. You know, these are these are not short books. There's a lot that's happened historically culturally, politically, within the world of higher education um, that that can kind of explain that. Okay, okay. Fantastic. Uh, and then for, for PBA uh, in particular, uh, again, you know, the campus is stunning. Uh, you've got a surfing club. There are things that just don't exist right. at most colleges uh, around the country. Uh, and again, you know, you've had this, this record growth two years in a row now uh, with enrollment. Are you seeing more and more kids coming out of uh, the homeschooling arena, great classical Christian schools. We we certainly are. You know, our historically our honors program had about about fifty percent of our students have been homeschooled at some point oh, in wow. their career. Okay, that's high. It, it is, yeah. and that you know that might be some who are you know K through twelve, some who homeschooled for a while and then went to traditional school, some who started traditional and finished homeschool, but at some point they were all homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And then of course with COVID, that's even crept up. A little bit higher. Okay. Um, so is homeschooling increased, but we've also seen certainly an increase in students uh, come who come from uh, Christian classical schools, which are flourishing. Yeah. Uh, so many of those homeschool families are, you know, taking uh, using classical uh, curricula in their homeschool programs, um, and it's. It, it's an affirmation for classical learning. I, I deep down inside when I'm talking to one of those students, there's this little voice that tells me I, I have to justify to them why if they've already read Dante, Milton, Shakespeare, yeah. they would want to read them again when they okay. get to college. And I get very early in that speech and you can tell they're totally bored with what I'm saying yeah. because they already believe it. 
Wow. Right? They don't need to be convinced that reading Dante again in a different place with different people mm. will be a different experience. Okay. And I think that's really, that's one of the sort of the signs that classical learning works, right? These students are a product of the system and they love it. They buy into it and they want more and they recognize these are texts for a lifetime. It's yeah. not a book that you read once and then put it on the shelf to collect dust, right? These are lifetime companions. Wow. So between your undergrad and now being back since the late 90s, and you've been here for, for a quarter of a century, 25 years, and you're still a very young guy. That makes you sound old when I say that. Uh, but you know, somebody's going to spend a solid, you know, maybe in your case, half of your life at a place. It must be a really good place to be at. Well, what are some of the kind of hidden gems that uh, you know most folks might not know about PBA that make you just love this place? So yeah. Much? So, you know, the first easy answer is there's certain things when you step on campus you're struck with all the new buildings, all the new stuff, new programs, the growth. Mm. And underneath all of that, there are some parts of this place that are exactly the same, mm. that haven't changed a bit from when it was a school half its size, you know, 40 years ago when I was here. And that is uh, collegiality among faculty. And, you know, some of my, as a university professor to say that my closest friends are from history, from biology, from uh, literature, is really unusual. And so as a faculty member, that's been wonderful. The overall friendliness of the place, people, you know, because we're urban, people wander onto campus from the surrounding downtown West Palm Beach area and realize this isn't like the rest of downtown. <laughs> people smile, people have a twinkle in their eye. It's a, it's a warm, uh, hospitable place, okay. which, is, which is terrific. And then, of course, the fact that it's downtown, right? To have a small college, small university where everything is still available to you as yeah. far as internships, you know, lots of Wall Street has moved to West yeah. Palm Beach and South Florida, healthcare, you know, opportunities for our healthcare students to go out and work and have uh, uh, rotations in hospitals. And opportunities to serve, right? West Palm Beach is a funny place because we sit directly across the water from the island of Palm Beach, which is home of you know some of the greatest wealth on yeah. the planet. But we're also, you know, we're founded to be close to populations where we can make a difference in terms of community service. And so our students go out and serve in the community. They try to be a light in a hurting world. Um, yeah. Which really, again, tying it back to the honors and the liberal arts, it becomes our laboratory, right? If you study chemistry, you learn chemistry in a lab. If you study character formation, your laboratory is, is the world when you go out and serve, right? The liberal arts tell you to, you know, have humility, put others first, serve the common good. And so, you know, this urban place that we're in becomes our laboratory where we can practice humility and charity and kindness and all the virtues of liberal learning love that uh we're in a, in a room surrounded by uh, a lot of great books so a couple questions kind of on the book front here uh first what, what do you just love teaching is there one text that you just dig into with students and you look back you know through through the years and you just relish those memories and yeah so um the last i teach the capstone class that comes at the end of our honors program okay and so we're in a room with students who are now weeks away from graduating Grad school is still up in the air for some. Jobs are still up in the air for some. 
we sort of liken it to you're climbing a fence and you can get to the top, you throw one leg over and you can still see in your yard. But now you can see in the neighbor's yard, you're yeah. sort of on that transition to the real world. And the last class in honors, the last book in the last class is uh, Wendell Berry's Hannah Coulter, oh, wow. okay. which ultimately is a book about a life well lived, right? In, in, in how to maintain sanity in the modern age, in an age that's otherwise dominated by mass media, how to practice neighborliness, how to live in community with others. It's mm. for our students, it's a it's just sort of a beautiful moment as they start anticipating their vocation and their life after PVA okay. to read this book and have, you know, um, Hannah Coulter become sort of this companion that walks with them as they as wow. they step out into the into the real world, into the next phase of life. Wow. And, and actually, that, that reminds me, Dr. San Antoine, uh, Anchor fans, we are actually having in early May, uh, Martin Cawthorn, who's on our academic board uh, from Memoria Press, we are going to be going out to Wendell Berry's home in uh, Kentucky to do uh, an Anchored Pod interview uh, out there on his new book on that kind of deals with race. What is that? Um, I, I can't give you the title, but we've, yes. And I still haven't terrific. read it, so I'll have to read it before then, Anchor fans. But yeah. Please do uh, tune in for that uh, as well. Um, and then for you, you know, the book that, I mean, clearly you, you've given your life to this, this kind of education. This is deeply personal for you. Um, is there one text that for you that this feeds you that you come back to maybe, you know, every year? Yeah, we, um, you know, uh, uh, if we joked before. It's always so hard to ask a professor to pick <laughs> one book and we always try sure. to break the rules and so on. And, um, you know, we talk about PBA being on the beach. We always, you know, Proverbs says, uh, those who walk with the wise grow wise. And so you like long walks on the beach, don't you? Right. So we always talk about describe honors as taking a long walk on the beach, but your walking companions are the great authors. It's, you know, Plato and Dante and Shakespeare and so on. But the one that I would say, you know, in terms of my work here, uh, John Henry Newman's idea of a university oh, wow. okay. is, um, it's energizing. It reminds me of what we're doing and why we're doing it. It helps to continue to connect our our work in the liberal arts with other disciplines, right? To see the larger university complex, con, you know, yeah. gives this idea of the circle of learning, okay. the common room, and so on. And so, that's a book for me uh, professionally, uh, anyway. That is just energizing. And keeps me just continually reminds me of what we're up to. I love it. Uh, and then for parents and students listening, uh, and there are there are some students, uh, teachers. Thank you for occasionally giving the anchor pod as homework. We do love that. Uh, and students, hopefully you do as well. But what what is a good next step? Uh, parents that they may be interested in. Maybe we should put Palm Beach Atlantic uh, on the list. Is there a summer program or there opportunities, weekend visits, that sort of thing? Yeah. So. Um, for us, you know, I know we're sort of in the southeastern corner of the country, but for us, there's no substitute for a visit, right? I've seen, I've seen families who plan a trip to Florida. Why not? And while they're here, they have sort of a list of colleges they want to visit, and universities they want to visit. And after they get here, they sort of notice, oh, there's, there's one in West Palm. Maybe we should check that one out too. And I've seen in the course of a short visit, Palm Beach Atlantic goes from Never heard of it, but it was on the way to here's our deposit wow. We're coming. So for us, there's no substitute for yeah. just being here, feeling the place, deciding could could you make this your home for four years? Um, okay. 
is this the kind of place you want to spend your time and study meeting the people getting a feel for the for the community okay. um yeah. so i you know if you can get here, try and get here because I always feel like an in-person visit is the best way to know is this really the it, it, it really is. And, and just to second that, I mean, it is such a war. I think this is my fourth or fifth visit to, to PBA and it's such a hospitable campus. And already in the, the very beginning hours here is we're kicking off the Florida Classical Summit with uh, this podcast. Uh, already just great host. Uh, this uh, Tonight we'll have the one and only Dr. Corey DeAngelis, who's kind of a school choice uh, champion uh, speaking tonight. It's going to be a great event. We're thrilled to have you and some of your team uh, present for it. So uh, thank you. Uh, Anchor fans, thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, we're here with Dr. Tom St. Antoine. Uh, he's the director of the honors program at Palm Beach Atlantic University in beautiful West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, Dr. St. Antoine, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. And remember to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.